Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode number 12 of Red Pill Revolution. And uh, we have some really interesting topics to go over. A lot has happened over this last week. I was trying to put this together for you guys today and uh, really digging in deeper into these topics that are going on over the last week. It, it's it's pretty crazy what's, what's happened. So um, let's just kind of highlight what those are and then we'll dive deep into each one of those. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the there was a uh, committee that basically came together at the um, at a hearing at basically discussing it with the Department of Justice uh, regarding the January 6th insurrection. Um, so that was the first topic that we're going to discuss. Then we're going to go into the, one of the specific, actually, agent provocateurs who allegedly worked for the FBI that um, the FBI wouldn't actually confirm, obviously, in these hearings, but uh, Ted Cruz did his best to pull it out of them, but very clearly showed. Um, so we're, we're going to go into who that individual is, what he did, some of the clips that kind of talk about how he incited this a little bit um, and what some of the implications of that are. Then we're going to talk about the new release by Project Veritas regarding the information surrounding COVID-19 and... Uh, the actual hearing where uh, Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci clash again um, with some pretty uh, heated debates. Um, and then even Dr. Fauci called one of the individuals on this hearing a moron. Um, so we'll talk about that too. But... You know the drill. Before we do that, I need you to do one thing for me. The thing I need you to do is just go on that screen that you're on, whether you're on the computer, whether you're on your phone, you're probably on your phone, um, but find that subscribe button. There's a button right on that screen that would mean the world to me. All you have to do is just give it a quick little tap. Um, would mean so much. I would appreciate it more than you can understand. Um, go ahead and subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts or you're on Spotify, I recently saw that Spotify has a way to give ratings now. I didn't know that they did before, so that's pretty cool. Go ahead and leave a five-star rating. I would really, really appreciate it on Apple podcast and on Spotify. And then if you're listening to this, go watch it on YouTube next time, or at least watch the next episode on YouTube and let me know what you think. You can actually watch the videos that we're looking at, um, the some of the articles that I'm actually discussing with you, um, and, and uh, actually see, you know, what we're talking about. Um, so check that out too. And then uh, that's what I got for you guys. Oh, you can actually donate. I would appreciate it so much. You can go directly to the link tree and our Instagram. It's at Red Pill Revolt. And on the link tree, it's pretty cool. You can actually just quick, quickly press the button at the very top. It says tip jar on it. Um, you tip your, tip your waitress. Why not tip your uh, favorite content creators um, if I fall in that category? If I don't, don't tip me. <laughs> um, but either which way, if you even consider it, thank you so much. And then the last thing, um, if you've listened to this before, you know our Substack. Our Substack, every single week with the podcast, we put out a podcast companion where I include all of the links, all of the articles, all of the videos, all of the FBI documents, whatever it is that we're discussing. Um, I include everything on there. And then I even throw like a few book recommendations on the topics that we're discussing and some things like that too. Uh, so go check that out, subscribe. And if you're a paid subscriber, You'll actually get some long-form content. I'm going to be updating it on the past couple episodes where I'm going to be writing up, discussing some of the topics like the Kurt Cobain situation, um, 
Last week with the Salem Witch Trials and Mass Formation Psychosis, we're going to dive deep into each of those with some long-form articles. Um, and you'll only get that if you're a paid subscriber, which is just $7. Um, so that is the number one way you can support me right now is just getting on that Substack. $7, the cost of an um, expensive Starbucks latte. Let's jump into the topics today. The very first thing we're going to discuss is going to be Ted Cruz grilling the Department of Justice um, regarding... Uh, well, let's just let's go ahead and watch it and we'll discuss it right after. How many people have been charged with crimes of violence in connection with the event on January 6th? Senator, I'm not sure exactly how many uh, have been charged with crimes of violence. I know that there are okay. many, how, many. How many have been charged with nonviolent crimes? I don't have the numbers of people charged, whether at the state or federal level. I know okay. that there how are. How many people are currently incarcerated concerning the events of January 6th? I don't know the number of people incarcerated. Again, I know that I, How I many do have... Pe- okay, let me ask you that. Look, we have limited time, so I don't want you to filibuster. You either know the answer or you don't. How many people have been placed in solitary confinement concerning the events of January 6th? I don't have any information about that, Senator. You know, Mr. Olson, I will say it was sad. Senator Lee just asked you about this. Back in June of 2021, Senator Lee and I and two other senators sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking these questions, asking about the differential prosecutions. Let me ask you, during 2020, Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots all across the country, there were over 700 police officers injured by Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots. How many people have been charged with crimes of violence concerning those riots all across the country? I don't have... Information on how many—I I would say, you know, hundreds of people have been charged. As, as Ms. You, you would say, but but you don't know. You know, when we asked you why the Biden Department of Justice has such wildly disparate standards, going after January 6th, targeting some people who committed crimes of violence, and anyone who commits a crimes of, of violence should be prosecuted, but also targeting a lot of nonviolent individuals. We asked you why is it that you won't target the rioters and terrorists who firebomb cities across this country. The answer we got from the Department of Justice was shameful. On October 22nd, you came back and said, quote, the department has dedicated investigative and prosecutorial resources commensurate with the significance of these events. By significance, I guess it means the political benefit to the Biden White House. And I will tell you, there are a great many Americans who are understandably deeply concerned about the politicization of the Department of Justice under President Joe Biden. It has been 218 days since we sent you that letter. DOJ refused to answer the letter today when Senator Lee and I asked you about it. Your answer to every damn question is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You're under oath. You may believe at the Department of Justice that you are unaccountable to the American people, but that is not the case, and the wildly disparate standards are unacceptable. Ms. Sandberg. So I think it's important to kind of uh, stop and pay attention to there's two separate conversations that go on in this video. The first one is Ted Cruz speaking to um, this individual at the Department of Justice and discussing basically how they have gone after, you know, kind of insinuating that there's been no arrests, no violent arrests that have come up out of the actual um January 6th insurrection, um, or at least that's what it sounds like to me in kind of pointing out the fact that if, if you're not arresting people for violent offenses, then what are we doing here? Because you're allowing all of these crazy things to go on across our country, all of this anarchy, all these smashing grabs, all, all of this craziness to go on across of our country. But you're specifically focusing on a, an event that is specifically uh, helpful to the politicization or, or the politics of the, of the sitting president of the United States. So basically accusing them of weaponizing the Department of Justice in a way that it's being used for political reasons as opposed to uh, to actually do its job in its title, which is to serve justice. Um, so that was the first part of this conversation. I think the second part of this conversation is is far more interesting, far more important, and far more concerning. So here's that. Agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th. Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I 
can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, did any FBI did agents any FBI or agents confidential or informants confidential actively informants participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents any or confidential FBI informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? 6th. I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents any or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? 6th. Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, Ms. who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well. There are a lot of well, people who are understandably very are concerned, understandably about, Mr. concerned Epps. about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day, the next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, Similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Shortly thereafter, the sure. FBI put out a public post listing, seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, leading to, for information leading to the arrest. This was posted and then sometime later, Magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sandburn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of a public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. So really interesting stuff there. I mean, what what stands out to me is like, you know, she she basically tells you everything that you need to know there. Right. She doesn't have to come out and say, yes, this was a false flag. Right. She, she, there's no opportunity. There's, there's no way she's going to do that. But what she said was, I cannot answer that. And what we have to take from that is, well, why can't she answer that? If she could actually finish her sentence there, what she'd say is, I cannot answer that because only two outcomes, either I implicate the FBI as setting up a false flag against our previous president in an attempt to cause divisiveness within our nation, the FBI doing that, or they have to go, they, or they have to commit perjury and lie. Right. So the, the, I cannot answer that question is what she said. But what she meant is I cannot answer that question because of the truth. And I can't tell you the truth. And, and if you saw that video, if you're watching this, she looked like she was like in a in a hostage situation. She was in like this weird room with like the seal of the Department of Justice behind her. And I just can only assume there was 155 people in front of her with cue cards sweating at every moment while she's answering these questions. Um, but it's truly terrifying to me. And, and, I, and I don't get why you can do that. I, I don't. It, does, it makes no sense to me. Why you can stand in front of a senator being asked by a senator and being in a position within our government under oath and answer every single question that he asked her with, I'm not going to answer that question. Well, 
is there FBI agents that were there? I'm not going to answer that question. I cannot answer that question. Did they commit active violence? I cannot answer that question. Who is Ray Epps? Oh, I've heard of him. Was Ray Epps a part of the FBI or a federal informant engaging in these acts? Well, I can't answer that. Well, if the answer was no, which she showed you at the very, very end, she showed you at the very, very end that she could answer these questions differently, which she said, you know, what did she say at the very end there? She said like, um, what did she say? Come on. Not to my knowledge. So she's saying there, I don't know, but I do know about all these other things. I'm just not going to tell you because if I do, I'm going to jail. And so is the entire department of justice and the heads of these departments. It's, it's, it's crazy. The fact that she can sit in front of our senators, some of the most powerful politicians in the world who are in these positions, who are, are, are put into these positions by we the people in the United States, by the public, and, and is not going to answer our questions for the people that we appointed to these positions. You and I don't know what you, you think, what position you think you hold, but you hold a position that is for the people. And the fact that she gets to sit there snarkily answering these questions. I don't, I don't, not very confident snarkily is a word, <laughs> but you know what I mean? That she's sitting there just rubbing it in your face that she's, I'm not going to tell you. It, it's, it's baffling to me. Um, how, how and, and if you watch any of these hearings, any of these hearings, and I've, I've become, I've come to watch a lot of them over the last couple years. Um, Almost every time there's a situation like this, they just don't answer the questions. They just don't answer. And then to me, it's like you're under oath. You answer the question or you, why are you here? Right? Why, why are we even having you here if you're just not going to answer any of our questions, especially if you work for the government? I understand if Mark Zuckerberg comes in and he's sitting there like a robot drinking his water that he doesn't legally have to be obligated to answer these questions. But if you are the head of the FBI or the head of the Department of Justice, you better answer the damn questions. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. So I think that that truly should open your eyes to the fact that this was absolutely a possibility that this was a legitimate false flag against the American people. One where Americans died, an American veteran in the Air Force died, um, as a result of this false flag that was obviously, um, according to Ted Cruz's insinuation, could have been carried out by the FBI and the Department of Justice. And, in the te- and, then, and then again, you have to kind of go de- deeper into that. Like, why would they do that? Why would they want to incite this riot? Why would they want to have this like call to arms, violent divide in, in the people at the very pinnacle of the, the change of power? Why would they want to do that? And it goes back to last week's episode with mass formation psychosis. You have to have that divisiveness, right? That's the number one thing. And this is all like right as this all is breaking out, right? It's, it's, it's crazy to me, the timing of all this, but it's really not when you understand the steps because it's not timing. It's not crazy timing. It's, it's, it's crazy to understand the steps that they took us through to try to get you to be convinced to take these products. Truly crazy. So, so the one person that she that that Senator Cruz points out there is is a man by the name of Ray Epps, and Ray Epps was an individual who was seen throughout the uh, insurrection outside of and, and the night before at some of the uh, riots, um, who basically was trying to incite people, who was who was trying to cause violence, who was basically pointed out by the people who are actually there is saying fed, fed, fed. He's a fed based on the way that he's just running through crowds trying to say, we need to go into the Capitol building tomorrow. Um, so it, it was really quite weird. And uh, Tucker Carlson did a piece on on this. And I think it was like almost a few months ago, this was posted. I, I literally, it's very difficult to find this video on YouTube. You got to go over to either rumble or bit shoot. Um, and I did find it here. Um, and it's a Tucker Carlson video. How, how hard should it be to find a Tucker Carlson video? Um, but here it is. And this is, uh, this is about Ray Epps. I strongly agree with that. At a recent hearing in Congress, Thomas Massey of Kentucky confronted our highly partisan Attorney General Merrick Garland 
with this footage, it's of a man called Ray Epps, who apparently lives in Arizona. Epps was in Washington the night before, January 5th. He was encouraging Trump supporters to enter the Capitol building illegally, he said it numerous times. Now, in this clip, some people in the crowd immediately decided this guy must be working for the federal government. Watch this. We need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! So here's a guy telling Trump supporters they need to break the law and go into the Capitol. That's real video. And they say no. And then they accuse him of being an undercover federal agent. So that's pretty interesting. That guy was on tape encouraging people to break the law, organizing what happened that day. Has he been indicted? Who? Where is he exactly? Well, Congressman Massey asked the attorney general about that, and the attorney general refused to answer. He also pointedly refused to say how many federal operatives were there in the crowd that day on January 6th. As far as we can find, this individual has not been charged with anything. You said this is one of the most sweeping investigations in history. Uh, have you seen that video or those frames from that video? So as I um, uh, said at the outset, uh, one of the norms of the Justice Department is to not comment on impending investigations and particularly not to comment about uh, particular scenes or particular individuals. Can you tell us without talking about particular incidents or particular videos how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 6th, whether they agitated to go into the Capitol and if any of them did? So I'm not going to violate this norm of, uh, of, of uh, the rule of law. I'm not going to comment on an investigation that's ongoing. Oh, he doesn't want to violate the rule of law, says the guy who just called angry parents terrorists. And of course, the DOJ leaks all the time the details of tons of different investigations that are politically useful to them. Now, just to be totally clear, we don't know whether this Epps guy was working with the federal government. We don't anything about him, haven't talked to him. We can only show you video from that day. But we do know it doesn't seem like he's been punished for this. If you're looking for the people who organized that day, maybe you should talk to him. Has he been indicted? Not that we know of. Maybe he has been. We don't know it. But we haven't seen any evidence that he has been. A new piece in Revolver News notes that the FBI removed a photo of Ray Epps from its most wanted page this summer, right after Revolver News reported on the story. Darren Beatty is with Revolver News. He runs. So that first part of that video, what you just heard was uh, Ray Epps, the man who is sitting outside of the uh, Capitol building who did the very day before the insurrection. Um, I, I think we need a better term for that. What should we call that? You know, like the, you know, the, uh, you know, museum tour of the Capitol building <laughs> um, that was opened by federal agents and police alike for the people to walk through. Um, so the first thing that, that they say, that, you know, the first video that they show, well, one of them is, is him basically going to a crowd of people and saying, we need to go into the Capitol building. We are going there tomorrow. You know, I'm willing to go to jail. And what he's just doing is he's, he's dropping seeds of, of intent and trying to manipulate people and incite people to do the same thing, right? He's saying, I'm willing to go to jail, right? And you should be too, because that's how serious this event is. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to do this. So he's giving you a plan of action. He's giving you the thought of community around that plan of action. And then he's giving you the idea that, you know, going to jail for this is acceptable. And this is all done by an FBI agent from the sounds of it, which hasn't been confirmed, and it's, but it's obviously quite, you know, that first video we watched should confirm it for you, that he was absolutely a part of the FBI, or else she would have said, no, he's not a part of the FBI. A very simple answer, not trying to dance around the, the answer or saying, I, I'm not going to, or I cannot answer that question. Um, so that's the first part that you see there. One of the next parts that you see is him actually whispering, and so they're standing in front of the gate, in front of the actual Capitol building on January 6th, and Ray Epps, this man, this 
75, 70-year-old man probably, 65, 70-year-old man, um, in a military jumpsuit with a Trump hat on, um, in a backpack with like a camel back in it, like he's going on a, a ruck march through Afghanistan, um, <laughs> is, is whispering in the ear of this guy next to him. And then within seconds, everything breaks out. And this guy that he whispers in the ear of, it, I it can't tell with the way that the camera pans, but it, from what people were saying, this is what started the, this pushing of the gate barriers right against the police. Um, so, the, you know, him whispering in the ear of this other guy, and then immediately they start to go after these police. And that's where the, the I believe the first barriers broke. Um, I'm not too, uh, sure on that but um doesn't look like any other chaos is going on around this at the time so um one of the very first places that this happened and he incited this he you know it, it almost looks like a manchurian candidate situation where he whispered the you know the secret hypnotizing word and then this guy just you know starts pushing against the barriers and everybody else follows suit um so weird and, 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 and we have to be so thankful to be in a time where we can sit and actually figure this shit out because, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, like there was not ever this amount of video footage that the public has access to, to verify the information that we're being spoon fed by the news media. So, you know, we really do have to be thankful because how many of these situations have happened? How many situations in history have happened where it was, you know, a Ray Epps sitting there inciting violence on behalf of the government to try and push the divisiveness or push a narrative or whatever that situation is. And, and, and understanding that, you know, this, and if you're questioning this and this sounds crazy to you and you're, you know, new to these ideas, the ideas of false flags and, 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 um, you know, uh, CIA or FBI operatives going in and inciting violence or um, attributing to terrorist acts within the United States is very well documented historically. This isn't a cr crazy conspiracy idea. You go look at the, the paperwork from Operation Northwoods that we did an episode on the dark history of the CIA. Go watch that, then come back, and then maybe you, you'll see a little clearly that these things are very real. And, and it's very difficult coming from somebody I was uh, in, you know, I was a, I'm a veteran myself. I, I went into the military. I'm a very patriotic individual. I believe in the constitution. I believe in the United States. I do not currently believe in the way that our government is being ran in the way that, you know, corporations have their hands in literally everything and the corruption that comes with that. And, you know, there's, there's so many things that we could go into on that and we will eventually. Um, but for now, you know, it's truly terrifying to me that it makes you it makes you have to question almost every major event, you know, and when you hear people questioning these shootings or whatever, you know, um, these terror attacks or whatever it is, even if they're wrong, it comes from a place of historical knowledge to know that this is a possibility. And these things were, you know, go look at the paperwork from Operation Northwoods. This very same type of scenario was proposed, right? And, and even real acts of terror and real, you know, um, you know, sacrificing of people. And, and you know, this, it's crazy what, what was what was proposed during the time by the very same Department of Justice that is being questioned here by Ted Cruz. Um, so it's not that crazy. And the, these things are very real and they happen all the time within government. And it seems to me to be a big part of government. Um, but back to the original point, we have to be thankful that we can even find these videos of people sitting there on their phones watching this guy going fed, fed, fed was, you know, to be able to show that and point that out was is so helpful in the case of, of trying to pull on these strings and, and figure out what actually happened that day, right? Was it this crazy insurrection where people were trying to take over the government? Okay, well, why were the police letting literally letting people in like it was a museum tour? Um you know, was it, uh, you know, a, a few opportunists who took over and then people just followed suit because it seemed like fun? Um, was it a FBI operative who went in there and incited this and, and was the initial wave of people that went in there and then people followed? Because you're always going to have that, right? They know how the human dynamic works. They know how the brain works, right? In, in these chaos, these these situations, the, the riot mentality, people are going to do things in these situations where they wouldn't normally do. So if you can get three to four to five to 10 to 20 people to start these situations, and then other people are just going to follow suit. 
right? Um, so that the Ray App situation is very interesting, and, and I saw uh, you can find a video on YouTube, I think, um, where there was two guys that went up uh, and found him on his golf cart and started to question him. And even when they he, they asked him directly, "Are you a part of the FBI or are you a, a informant?" Um, he said, "I cannot answer that." Like almost exactly like the woman in the video. It's it, it's it's crazy. Um, so on the backs of that. The next topic that we're going to go into. So the next thing that we're going to discuss here is the documents that were recently uh, came out with by Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. And uh, these documents are pretty damning to the Fauci administration and uh, contradict a lot of things that he said under oath in front of Senate. Um, so it could possibly, I mean, if this is corroborated and, and, and truly proves that there was gain of function research that happened, um, and they don't give him the scapegoat that he tries to get, which is basically just literally 1984ing your ass and changing the definition of the word gain of function, um, just like they've done again, just like they've done with vaccine, just like they've done with herd immunity, just like they've done with quarantine, just like they've done with all of these crazy, you know, the, the, the amount of words that have had their definitions changed over the last three years is, is baffling to me. Um, but side note, and, and I think eventually I'm going to do a whole episode on that. What, what are the words that have been, had their definitions changed over the last, you know, three years, two years? Um, and, and dive into why they changed the definition, because specifically in this case, they changed the definition, you know, and who's involved with that, right? Um, but they changed the definition of gain-of-function research um, specifically to make it so that he wasn't doing something illegal when he was. Oh, well, we changed what that word means now, so, you know, he, he shouldn't go to jail. Not the case. So let's go ahead and look at some of these documents and, and we'll read the document. Well, let's watch the video first, then we'll read the documents. Um, then we'll discuss it a little bit. So here is the initial video that was released by Project Veritas um, that shows and completely contradicts the statements of Anthony Fauci under oath. has obtained never-before-seen military documents regarding the origins of COVID-19, gain-of-function research, vaccines, potential treatments which have been suppressed, and the government's effort to conceal all of this. Dr. Anthony Fauci has testified many times before Congress stating that the U.S. government was never involved in gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They gained in lethality. It's a new virus. That's not gain-of-function? According to the definition that is currently <laughs> operable, we're not going to get anywhere right. close to trying to prevent another lab leak of this dangerous sort of experiment. You won't admit well, that it's dangerous, and for that lack of judgment, I think it's time that you resign. That assertion is based on the NIH's definition of gain of function. However, the documents we've obtained refute that. The documents in question stem from a report at the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, better known as DARPA, which were hidden in a top-secret share drive. But what is DARPA? They are an agency under the U.S. Department of Defense, which facilitates research and technology with potential military applications. Project Veritas has obtained a separate report to the Inspector General of the Department of Defense, written by the U.S. Marine Corps Major Joseph Murphy, a former DARPA fellow. Major Murphy makes claims in his report to the Inspector General that, if true, could be damning to the official narrative that has been played out to the world over the past two years. Major Murphy's report states that EcoHealth Alliance approached DARPA in March 2018, seeking funding to conduct gain-of-function research of bat-borne coronaviruses. DARPA rejected the proposal because the work was too dangerous and could violate the gain-of-function moratorium, despite EcoHealth's position that it would not. According to the documents, the NIAID, under the direction of Dr. Fauci, did not reject the proposal. They went ahead with the research at Wuhan and several sites across the U.S. So here's the question. If the Department of Defense, the same people who make our nuclear arsenal, felt this research was too dangerous to proceed with, why in the world did the NIH, NIAID, and EcoHealth Alliance recklessly disregard the risks involved? So these documents are, are basically never before. 
So these documents are basically outlining, you know, the, the military documents that were released by this major, um, which basically contradict a lot of the statements that have come out in the original narrative. So let's kind of walk through what these documents actually say. Um, so we'll walk through them directly from James O'Keefe's, in, James O'Keefe's, James O'Keefe's Instagram, um, which is just at James O'Keefe, uh, O-K-E-E-F-E-I-I. Um, and we'll kind of uh, just walk through these page by page. So this is under the uh, unclassified documents. It says Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And this is uh, from the dated uh, date of 13 August of 2021. Now, the first thing it says is uh, the subject of this is uh, origins investigation with the uh, with U.S. government program undisclosed documents analysis. And it is from the commandant of the Marine Corps fellow DARPA to the inspector general. Now, from that, it states that um, SARS-CoV-2 is an American created recumbent back vaccine, bat vaccine or its precursor virus. It was created by an EcoHealth Alliance program, which is the company that basically um, asked to do it through DARPA that was declined, but then went through the NIH and was approved by Fauci. Um, as suggested um, at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as suggested by the reporting surrounding the lab leak hypothesis, the details of this program have been concealed since the pandemic began. These details can be found in the EcoHealth Alliance proposal response to the DARPA preempt program, broad agency announcement. Um, and it's dated March of 2018, a document not yet publicly disclosed. All right, the next document goes on to state that DARPA rejected the proposal because the work was too close to violating the gain-of-function moratorium, despite what Peter Daszak says in the proposal that, that the work would not, quote-unquote. Um, as is known, Dr. Fauci with the NIAID did not reject the proposal. The work took place at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and, which is almost even more concerning, at several sites in the U.S., identified in detail in the proposal. Um, inserted into the recumbent bat SARS-CoV-2 backbone, it is likely, so, so this basically talks about the spike protein. So it says SARS-CoV-2, hereafter referred to as SARS-CoV-WIV for Wuhan Institute of Virology, is a synthetic spike protein, um, chimera, engineered to attach to Wuhan ACE2 receptors and inserted into a recumbent uh, bat SARS-CoV backbone. It is likely a live vaccine not yet engineered to a more attenuated state that the program sought to create with its final version. It leaked and spread rapidly because it was aerosolized so it could not effect er, efficiently infect bats in caves, but it was not ready to infect bats yet, which is why it does not appear to infect bats at all doesn't say at all. I just added that. Um, the reason the disease is so confusing is because it is less a virus than it is engineered spike proteins hitchhiking a ride on a SARS-CoV-2 species swarm. The closer it is to the final live attenuated vaccine form, the more likely it is to have been de-attenuating since initial escape in August 2019. The word escape there is a bit uh, eerie, right? Um, so I, I, I think that is very obviously stating that this was made in a lab. It even stated how it was released when they allowed it to be aerosolized. Um, it said specifically it leaked and spread rapidly because it was aerosolized. So it could effectively infect bats in caves. Um, so this right here states that it's it's a military document that during from the Department Advanced Research Projects Agency at DARPA. Um, a military document stating that it was leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. No conspiracy. This is fact. This is from a military document. Um, and, and, and the fact that Fauci tried to say anything about this being illegitimate and, and tried to tiptoe and dance around this, this question again is, is unbelievable. Um, but it, it even goes on to say how they repressed certain medications or certain treatments um, 
to try to, from from what we can gather, push the vaccine. It says ivermectin, identified as curative in April 2020, works throughout all phases of illness because it both inhibits viral replication and modulates the immune response. Of note, chloroquine phosphate hydroxychloroquine, identified April 2020 as curative, is identified in this proposal as a SARS-CoV inhibitor as it is interferon um, and identified May 2020 as curative. So basically stating right there, everything that we've known throughout this entire situation has come to light eventually. And that's what you have to know about all these situations, whether it's, you know, the, the, the deep dark depths of pedophilia within the elites and in politics um, in Hollywood, whether it's, you know, any one of these situations, it all comes to light eventually. Documents, people, videos, whatever it is, um, eventually it's going to come out, right? And that's what we're seeing here. Um, It was leaked from a lab, as outlined in this military document, and they suppressed, you know, and they knew full well that ivermectin and, and chloroquine specifically um, would help in treating it. They then go on to talk about how the mRNA vaccines work specifically work poorly. Um, so it says the gene encoded or mRNA vaccines work poorly because they are synthetic replications. And this is all very scientific. I don't know, probably 20% of what I'm talking about here and the other 70% I'm filling in the blanks. So <laughs> um, they are synthetic replications of the already synthetic SARS-CoV-2 uh, Wuhan Institute virology spike proteins and possess no other epitopes. The mRNA instructs the cell to produce synthetic copies of the SARS-CoV synthetic spike protein directly into the bloodstream, wherein they spread and produce the same ACE2 immune storm that the recumbent vaccine does. Many doctors in the country have identified that the symptoms of the vaccine reactions mirror the symptoms of the disease, which corroborates with the similar synthetic nature and function of the respective spike proteins. The vaccine recipient has no defense against the bloodstream entry, but their nose protects them from the recumbent spike protein quasi-species during the natural infection, better termed as aerosolized inoculation. So what they're stating there is basically um, that you're better off getting it naturally than you are getting this vaccine. They're basically either giving it to you through your bloodstream um, or you're getting it naturally in, in, in the, the natural way that your body has to fight it off, which is going through your nose and allowing your body to fight it off from there as opposed to just naturally in, or not unnaturally um, putting it directly into your bloodstream. Um, so outlined very clearly there goes on to say and talk about the way that they're suppressing all of the information surrounding this. Um, It says a technological challenge as difficult as inoculating bats in China would have been tried at DARPA first. The massive Manhattan Project level of information suppression executed by the government and the Trusted News Initiative indicates that it would be covered up if something bad happened. The lab leak hypothesis and squabbling between Senator Paul and Dr. Fauci indicated that the cover-up was more localized. So stating that obviously everybody wasn't in on this cover-up because he's sitting there challenging them. Um, Furthermore, an actual cover-up would be more disciplined within its paperwork. So I presume that unclassified documents would be concealed on a higher network and found um, them where I expected them to be. I understand that they would... Um, that there were and their con- content pushed the files off-site and compiled this report. So that basically just talked about the Manhattan level of information or Manhattan Project level of information suppression executed by the government and the Trusted News Initiative. And if you don't know anything about the Trusted News Initiative, that is a really interesting thing to learn about um, and something that I still need to learn a little bit more about myself. And when I do, I will obviously come on and talk to you guys about it. Um, but um, the the Trusted News Initiative, if I can give you a, a d- dumb half-ass overview of something I I haven't specifically done a deep dive into is basically that all of the media companies are in cahoots together. (laughs) That's the the technical term, cahoots. Um, They're all in cahoots together. And we we knew this, right? We already know this. Fox, you know, CNN, MSNBC, all of them um, are in cahoots together. And they're not going to speak up against this virus. And and, um, so... That's something really interesting that you should look into because it shapes the way that all of the it frames the way that you receive all of the information that you're getting from these news networks. So let's see if there's any other documents. So that's all of the documents there. 
Okay. Um, now there was a interesting back and forth between um, Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci today. And then also um, another senator, which I'll have the name of in just a moment, uh, where they discuss these documents specifically. So let's go ahead and watch that. Senator Paul. Dr. Fauci, the idea that a government official like yourself would claim unilaterally, unilaterally to represent science, that any criticism of you would be considered a criticism of science <clears throat> itself, is quite dangerous. Central planning, whether it be of the economy or of science, is risky because of the fallibility of the planner. It would not be so catastrophic if the planner were simply one physician in Peoria then the mistakes would only affect that physician's patients, the people who chose that physician. But when the planner is a government official, like yourself, who rules by mandate, the errors are compounded and become much more harmful. A planner who believes he is the science leads to an arrogance that justifies, in his mind, using government resources to smear and to destroy the reputations of other scientists who disagree with him. In an email exchange with Dr. Collins, you conspire, and I quote here directly from the email, to create a quick and devastating published takedown of three prominent epidemiologists from Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. Apparently, there's a lot of fringe epidemiologists at Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. And you quote in the email that they were from Dr. Collins, and you, you agree that they are fringe. And immediately, there's this takedown effort. A published takedown, though, you know, doesn't exactly conjure up the image of a dispassionate scientist. Instead of engaging them on the merits, you and Dr. Collins sought to smear them as fringe and take them down, and not in journals, in lay press. This is not only antithetical to the scientific method, it's the epitome of cheap politics, and it's reprehensible, Dr. Fauci. Do you really think it's appropriate to use your $420,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you? The email you're referring to was an email of Dr. Collins to me. If you look at the email that you responded to and hurried up and said, I can do it, I can do it. We got something in Wired no, magazine. No, no, no. I think in you usual did. fashion, Senator, you are distorting everything about me. Did you First ever object all, to Dr. Collins's characterization of them as fringe? Did you write back to Dr. Collins and say, no, they're not fringe, they're esteemed scientists, and it would be beneath me I, I did to not do that? You responded to him that you would do it, and you immediately got an article in Wired, and you sent it back to him and said, hey, look, I've got them. I nailed them in Wired of all scientific publications. That's not publications. what went on. You there did. you go again. That you just do the same thing every hearing. That was your response. And so, this, wasn't, so, this wasn't the only time. So your desire to take you're down people. You're absolutely incorrect. As usual, Senator, you no. are incorrect almost everything you well, said. Well, no, you deny. You deny. Right. But the emails tell the truth of this. No. This wasn't the only time. Your desire to take down those who disagree with you didn't stop with Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. You conspired with Peter Daszak, who you communicated with privately, and other members of the scientific community that wrote opinion pieces for Nature, Five of them signed a, a paper for Nature, an opinion piece. Seventeen signed a paper that called it conspiracy theory, the idea that the virus could have originated right. in the lab. Do you think words like conspiracy theory should be in a scientific paper? Senator, I never used that word when I was referring to it. You're distorting virtually everything. Did you communicate with the five scientists who wrote the opinion piece in Nature? Were they were describing, oh, this, there's no way this could that have come from, was from the lab. That was not me. What did I you did, talk with any of those see, scientists but privately? You keep, the, you keep distorting you? the truth. It is, it is you stunning talk, how you, you do Did you talk that? to any of the scientists privately yes. who wrote the opinion? You did. Well, what were they telling you privately? Well, well, let me explain. You know you're going back to that original discussion when I brought together a group of people to look at every possibility with an open mind. So you, not only are you distorting it, you were completely turning it around, as Were most you of the scientists do. that came to you privately, did they come to you privately and say, no way this came from the lab? Or was their initial impression, Dr. Gary and Dr. others that were involved, was their initial impression actually that it looked very suspicious for a virus you know, that came from a lab? Senator, we are here at a committee to look at a, a virus now that has killed almost 900,000 people. And the purpose of the committee 
was to try and get things out, how we can help to get the American public. And you keep coming back to personal attacks on me that have absolutely no relevance to reality. Do you think anybody has had more influence let, over let our me response? Only because this video is a few more minutes long, I'm going to interject here and say <laughs> um, it's, it's unbelievable to me how Fauci just skates around all of these questions. He's yet to acknowledge the initial email. And if you missed it or you didn't catch it specifically, what the email said is basically they were going after these scientists who spoke out against their vaccine, who spoke out against the virus or, or something that they didn't like. So these guys spoke out and, and it was an email back and forth. And he um, talked about Peter Daszak and Peter Daszak was a part of the initial um, investigative team that like they sent the investigative team and as a part of the WHO um, to, you know, the, um, the infection sites initially, you know, and Wuhan and all of that deal. So, um, so they're basically just showing collusion between these high-level officials and trying to stifle these these voices of you know real science, not Mister Science, but real actual science where there's data and, and questions involved, not stifled. Um, and so, what they're doing now is basically just arguing over the fact that, you know, he, all he's saying is basically that you're just personally attacking me. That's not a personal attack. If you're going after people who are within the realm of, of the, the scientific community that should be helping to solve this, and you're doing it for political and, and monetary purposes, then that needs to be addressed. There's no personal attacks there. And it's, it, it, so great... we'll continue. Sounds said... good for our kids. Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead architect for the response from the government. Right. And now 800,000 people have died. Right. Do you think it's a, a winning success what you've advocated for government? Um, Senator, first of all, <clears throat> if you look at everything that I said, you accuse me of in a monolithic way telling people what they need to do. Everything that I've said has been in support of the CDC guidelines. Wear a mask, get boosted. And you've advocated to make it coercive take, and take done a look at everything you've advocated that I've said. it to be done by mandate. Right. You've advocated that your infallible opinion be dictated by law. Right. So again, Madam Chair, I would like just a couple of minutes because right. this, this happens all the time. You personally attack me and with absolutely not a shred of evidence of anything you say. So I would like to make something clear to the committee. He's doing this for political reasons. What you need to do is, he said in front of this committee. You think your takedown that, that of three was, prominent was epidemiologists was not political? You, you don't want me that to finish, because you know what I'm going to say. Senator, that was the question. Senator, Were you political we in taking at down at right, these three point, prominent epidemiologists? Senator Paul, if you would please, um, I'm going to allow this, uh, the, Dr. Fauci to respond. We have a number of senators yeah. who would like to ask questions, and I would like him to be able to respond. Please do so. so before he does that, um, Fauci has been sitting there with his hand shaking throughout this entire um, conversation with these two papers in his hand that he's been like so excited to share that he printed out at home if he, once he figured out how to use his printer. Um, and, and so he's been sitting there with these two pieces of paper and he's, and he's about to show what they are. The last time we had a committee of the time before, he was accusing me of being responsible for the death of five, four to five million people which is really irresponsible. And I say, why is he doing that? There are two reasons why that's really bad. The first is it distracts from what we're all trying to do here today, is get our arms around the epidemic and the pandemic that we're dealing with, not something imaginary. Number two, what happens when he gets out and accuses me of things that are completely untrue is that all of a sudden that kindles the crazies out there and I have life, the threats upon my life, harassment of my family and my children with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me. So apparently asking if he was shutting down these three scientists, epidemiologists, due to these emails, which state that he specifically was shutting down these three scientists and trying to outline them as fringe in the Wired article, um, 
<laughs> apparently that's inciting the crazies, according to Fauci and his uh, scientific opinion. Now, you know, I guess you could say, well, that's the way it goes. I can take the hit. Well, it, it, it makes a difference because, as some of you may know, just about three or four weeks ago, on December 21st, a person was arrested who was on their way from Sacramento to Washington, D.C., at a speed stop in Iowa. And they asked, the police asked him where he was going, and he was going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Fauci. And they found in his car an AR-15 and multiple magazines of ammunition because he thinks that maybe I'm killing people. So I ask myself, why would Senator want to do this? So go to Rand Paul website and you see fire Dr. Fauci with a little box that says contribute here. You can do $5, $10, $20, $100. So you are making a catastrophic epidemic for your political gain. So the you only have thing politically that, the only attacked thing your can, colleagues uh, the, and in a politically reprehensible the only way thing that attacked their reputations. Okay, you won't we, defend it. No, you won't well, argue it. I'm You'll just sorry, simply turn we're going around to the continue attack. continue this hearing. We yeah. have a number of questions. So pretty crazy stuff to see, you know, and then obviously that wasn't discussing specifically the Project Veritas stuff. That comes next with um, Senator Roger Marshall, who talked about those documents specifically and what was outlined in them. Um, but pretty crazy stuff there to see, you know, the way that he just didn't even address any of the questions that were asked. I mean, they had how many, there was a nine minute video total and not a single question was answered. He, he should have Paul Rand Paul should have pressed him more. He should have said no answer the question why why are you stifling these voices right why are you labeling them as fringe and did you do that specifically and are you responsible for this wired article right because if he's using a, a political stick to beat down scientists who have opinions that are different than his even though he's not himself an epidemiologist right crazy so then Senator Roger Marshall goes on to discuss these Project Veritas documents um, and, and equally, if not worse than uh, Rand Paul in pressing him because they get nothing out of him. He just kind of talks around them the whole time um, and, and then throws a pity party for himself. Uh, so he, here's the quick, this one's real quick for you guys. Uh, and this is the one where Fauci actually goes on uh, his mic after the conversation with him and calls him a moron on a hot mic and then apologizes. <laughs> um, so let's watch that video. As the highest paid. Delta is, is already been come and gone. And also after of course, Omicron will be said and done as well. Dr. Fauci, 59% of Americans and 81% of Republicans do not have a favorable opinion of you. Frankly, honestly, you've lost your reputation. The American people don't trust the words coming out of your mouth. Every day you appear on TV, you do more damage than good when it comes to educating the public on COVID. Suppose you were leading a team in an effort to try to get people to stop smoking cigarettes. But every time your spokesperson goes on television, over half the nation goes out and buys a pack of Marlboros. Wouldn't you stop that person from appearing on national television? Once again, Senator Marshall, I believe that's a real distortion of the reality. If you look at everything that I've said on TV, it is to validate, encourage, and get people to abide by the recommendations of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Look at everything I've ever said. Yeah, Dr. Fauci, I get understand that, but, but perception is tested. reality. Yeah. And you're hurting the team right uh, now. Yeah. You are hurting the team right now. Dr. Fauci, you previously told this committee under oath that NIH and NAIAD have never funded gain-of-function research with the HECO Health right. Alliance. However, a report from the Department of Dis Defense Inspector General released yesterday states that EcoHealth Alliance proposed DARPA in 2018 seeking funding to conduct gain-of-function fun research on bat-borne coronaviruses. 
This proposal, named Project Diffuse, D-E-F-U-S-E, was rejected by DARPA because the project didn't address the current researcher's potential to violate the gain-of-function moratorium. The proposal does not mention or assess potential risk of gain-of-function research. That's a direct quote from the DARPA rejection letter. The same proposal rejected by DARPA for gain-of-function Potential was not rejected, but by NIAID under your leadership. You funded Project Diffuse and its research that took place at the Wuhan Institute right. of Virology. Why did you tell the committee that your agency has never funded gain-of-function research? Why did your agency award this grant despite it being rejected by DARPA due to its concerns about violating the moratorium that was in place? And finally... Will you commit today to release all records fully unredacted by the end of this week so Congress and the American people can know the truth about NIH's role and the origins of COVID-19? So again, Senator, it really pains me to have to just point out to the American public how absolutely incorrect you are. What came out last night on Project Veritas was a grant that was submitted to DARPA then it distorted and said, we funded the grant. We have never seen that grant, and we have never funded that grant. So once again, you are completely and unequivocally incorrect. When you joined the DARPA proposal, was a grant that we never saw and we did not fund. So you are incorrect. Our social media will have all the supporting documents and we'll yeah, be supporting but, uh, these Senator, for the record as well. You are, you. You're backing down on this? Why don't we go and look at the Veritas statement? They were talking about a grant that was submitted to DARPA. Are you saying this said, was not, are you saying that this was viral gain of function research? I'm telling you that you're saying. Are that you saying that this DARPA was grant? not viral gain of function research? By the definition that you were very well aware. Which Your P3CO definition is you just know, you, a legal you, ease to get Senator, away Senator to allow you to do the viral gain I'm of talking about, studies. Senator. Senator Marshall, if you'll please allow the witness to respond. Senator, we know, and the misinformation, that the guide rails for what can be done or not were not established by me. They were established by a three-year process led by the Office of Science and Technology Policy of the White House. And decided by you in a secret meeting at the White House in December of 2019. Uh, Senator, that is incorrect. And this refers exactly to what I was uh, Fauci's face there, how taken back he was that he just mentioned that because it looked like, you know, he got, this guy, Roger Marshall, kind of got backed into a corner there. He wasn't really defending his position very well. It didn't seem like he was very well informed about the situation beyond the iPad that he was reading from, which kept <laughs> needing to be refreshed. Um, so he, he didn't do very well in this this sparring match with Fauci, and, and Fauci did what he always did, and he even bullied him here. Like, the fact that Fauci's ego is big enough to sit here and, and try to bully senators of the United States um, is is incredible. So he he's basically stating now, and he even said to him, are you backing down about this? Are you backing down? <laughs> he's so egotistical. I was talking about in response to Senator Rand Paul. You are incorrect completely. And every time I try you to keep explain. Saying you're incorrect, but the facts are on my side. So why, why will you not commit to sharing everything open, unredacted with this Congress? So, so here's an example. Dr. Fauci, uh, this hearing is critically important to the American people. There are millions of people infected with the COVID virus. Right. It is impacting every part of our economy. Every family is asking for answers to critical questions. Both sides of the aisle have asked tough questions, but we are not going to allow this committee hearing to be another personal attack that undermines our ability to deal with this uh, uh, terrible virus that is impacting so many people. I will then turn to Senator Smith. Thank you. Wow, she, she did a supremely fabulous job of doing absolutely nothing there in that ending statement. Um, so really crazy week as far as some information that's coming out and it's still starting to leak, right? It was, we talked about earlier, it's going to come to light and we're seeing some, some, uh, some of that light showing today and in this last week with these, these hearings. Um, so 
pay attention. Watch these congressional hearings. Watch these senators and, and, and pay attention to the way that the body language. Pay attention to the way that Fauci is sitting there with his hands shaking. Um, and, and pay attention to the verbiage that he uses when he specifically says the, the currently active definition, right? That, that's important, right? And uh, however, paraphrasing there. Um, but the way that they're saying these things is important because it, that's what's happening is they're doing this legal dance, right? And to the no- normal people who aren't, you know, paying attention linguistically to every single word that you say that's coming out of your mouth because you're n- afraid of being prosecuted for crimes you committed, right? You probably don't have to think that way, but these people do. So every single word that's coming out of Fauci's mouth is intentional. Every single way that he, he, he uh, you know, drew out his sentences so that it took up more time so that, so that you know, they're going to step in and send it to a different senator. All of that's intentional. Every word that he put, he, he said there is intentional. So when you're watching these situations, pay attention to that and, and, and try to focus on not only what they're saying, but you know, what are the implications of what they're saying, and what what, are, what do they mean by those things, and, and what are they avoiding actually saying as a result? Just like we heard earlier, where she was saying, you know, I cannot comment on that, right? I, I cannot discuss that with you. Um, not no, we didn't do violent acts on behalf of the, the United States and and cause this riot or insurrection. Um, so you, you got to pay attention. And, and, and that's why we were kind of jumping back and forth, right? Last week, we were several hundred years ago, comparing that to today. And today, we're just talking about these current events is because you have to be able to look through a, a, a clear lens by utilizing that information from the past and today. Um, and, and some of these, you know, these false flag situations, some of the information that's leaking out right now is really quite interesting. And one day will be looked at um, historically, you know, very closely. Um and hopefully we'll see it where this changes into a, a positive story where, <laughs> you know, um, the good guys win. Because um, like I said, the, the, the information is always going to come out and they always will. So um, thank you guys for listening. I, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you feel a little bit more caught up to speed with what's going on in the world. Um, if you have anything that we should discuss next week, go ahead and leave a comment. Um, follow us over at the Substack. We're going to be putting out all of the videos that I just discussed, um, even the Instagram uh, James O'Keefe information. Um, all of the documents that came out from the uh, drop from James O'Keefe and then all of the videos that we just discussed so you can actually see them. Um, I'll also uh, throw in a couple other goodies in there for you guys. So um, go ahead and check out the Substack. Uh, Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't done it already. Press that little button right there. It's on your screen right now. Go ahead and tap it for me. Um, Just subscribe. Get it out of the way because I'm going to ask you to do it next time too um, so that you don't have to keep feeling guilty because I know it's, it's just like kind of eating away at you that you haven't pressed that subscribe button. And if you have, I really appreciate you. Um, So thank you guys so much. I hope you have a great week and I will see you next time. And uh, welcome to the revolution.